I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to the Storytelling Lab, where we break down how to get to the heart of your story and the hearts of your audience to leave the greatest impact possible. And now here's your host, a filmmaker and competitive storyteller, Rain Bennett. What's up, my beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of the Storytelling Lab, where we break down the art and science of storytelling. This podcast is brought to you by Magnanimous Rentals. Cameras, lenses, lights, and much more at the lowest rental rates online. Magnanimous Rentals, every order submitted at magrents.com. That's M-A-G-R-E-N-T-S dot com. Every order submitted receives a discount. Inexpensive production essentials ship right to your door. Magrents.com. Go Magnanimous. Listen, I've been working with Magnanimous Rentals for a few years, and I love it. I can't tell you how awesome it is to have a production trip, which I travel at least once a month or so, and I pack my bags and my luggage with my clothes, I hop on my plane, I reach my destination, I get to my hotel or my Airbnb, and boom, my equipment is there waiting for me nicely packaged up. My cameras, my lenses, tripods, lights, I didn't have to travel with any expensive or heavy equipment, and it just made everything a breeze. I do my shoot. I knock it out of the park, I pack the equipment back into the packaging it came in, and I stop by UPS or FedEx on the way back to the airport, and boom, it's back on its way to Magnanimous Rentals. Super easy, super affordable, and listen, if you have a production in-house for your business and you can't justify purchasing camera equipment, this is a perfect affordable alternative for you guys. Rent the equipment that you need and then send it back. Magnanimous Rentals, go check them out at magrents.com. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Six Second Stories, where we help you maximize your impact through short-form storytelling. If you have multiple passion-itis, then this episode is for you. This is our final episode of Season 2, 
And I couldn't be more excited about who we are going to end with. Today, my guest is Melissa Casera. She is an all-star, a rock star, a storytelling star, all the stars. I'm really excited about this conversation because I aspire to be like Melissa. She is a screenwriter and also a business owner. And she juggles both of those and many other interests with her multiple passionitis really well. And she helps other people understand how they can do that. The swirl effect, she calls it. Find your swirl. And she talks a lot about the stories that we tell ourselves and the stories that we tell others. What is our story, right? You know, what can we do better than anybody, right? What's our unique swirl? And she has, she has a program called Obsessed where she helps people understand that and how to market themselves through storytelling. And she's always been involved in marketing, so she, she her roots go really deep in that world. And so she's always been a storyteller even when she didn't realize it. And this goes back to her days when she was really young. We both shared that in common that we used to tell stories when we were younger and then we got away from it and then got back into it when we were like in our 30s. And somewhere along the line, she had this burning desire like many of us do, to, to do something else. Something else was calling her name. And often society will tell us, you know, jack of all jack of all trades, master of none, right? Like be a specialist focused on one line of work and let that be your main thing. And while there is some value to that path, I'm one of those that has a million different interests. And I struggle with how to juggle all of them. And you have to make priorities and you can't chase them all but you can chase multiple ones. So when Melissa had this idea of like, I want to be in the filmmaking industry and I want to write screenplays, she finally did it. And the first one got read and got some attention, but it didn't get made, but her second one did. And right now she's got a trilogy in the making and I think a show uh, in development as well. So she's killing it. And at the same time for 15 years, she's been running her business and I'm just completely impressed by her. I first heard her on social media marketing podcast by social media examiner and they are an awesome company that i read their blogs and listen to their podcast and i'm not going to their conference social media marketing world this year but i got the virtual ticket i just can't make it to san diego uh and i think melissa is speaking there so she is on another level and when i talked to her it was so clear that she was a pro we were both kind of going a mile a minute because we were talking about things that excited us both, and they happen to have quite a bit of overlap. But man, she delivered. She delivers in this conversation. So I don't need to talk anymore. I'm going to shut up because Melissa has a lot to say. She talks fast. I hope you can keep up. You might want to take notes or listen to this podcast a couple times because she delivers the goods and the value. So you're welcome, guys. I'm going to shut up. Here's my conversation with Melissa Casera. Check it out. Welcome, Melissa. Uh, I appreciate you taking seven hours out of your day to talk to me about storytelling. It's so sweet of you. <laughs> I have lots of questions to selfishly ask for me. And me sure. alone. <laughs> so, All good. Yeah. So right out of the gate, I have a question. Okay. You're an entrepreneur and an artist. How is yes. this possible? <laughs> <laughs> do, do they exist? 
they do and i am proof <laughs> yeah this is something i've struggled with like my whole life so i'm i'm so excited and and to to talk to you about it how you navigate it how people can navigate it because i think it's becoming increasingly important that business people learn how to be creative right that's a lot of the people that i help and that's what i'm hoping to mine from you today <laughs> awesome so so um I know that um, you're in marketing, but where, like, what led you to that? Did you always want to do that? Sure. Um, so I started out in PR and marketing. Mm -hmm. um, I used to, my main job was media relations. So mm -hmm. I would get clients on Oprah and the Today Show, and that was like my background. So essentially, I was always telling stories. I was just telling stories for clients, mm -hmm. right? So it was just like in a different capacity rather than like narrative fiction storytelling. Um, though I think deep down, I always had this dream of being a narrative storyteller because when I was in fifth grade, I used to write these soap operas about my classmates. And um, it was it was so interesting because like my life was heavily um, influenced by like General Hospital and all my children at the time yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and all of the other soaps that were on. Um, and I used to write these soap operas. And then one day I got caught and they were very like risky. <laughs> for fifth grade yes. like very risque so I got in trouble and I was so like despondent about this um, incident that I actually didn't write again until my mid-30s oh like my. as far as writing like fiction yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really my trajectory um I you know like I said I I was doing marketing PR and then in yeah. my mid-30s I had this kind of just this random idea of sorts and I've always been obsessed with movies and TV and, same, um, yeah, and things, right like always a huge obsession and and I always weaved that into my marketing work because mm -hmm. I I feel like if you want to be a good writer um, and a good storyteller then you need to soak in fiction writing mm. because nonfiction just doesn't stack up sorry <laughs> it just it just doesn't as far as storytelling goes so the best thing to do as an entrepreneur is soak in lots of fiction like mm. watch television watch movies read fiction novels read poetry I don't care P fictional right. plot but then anything but then you can put that because I'm a documentary filmmaker. So then once you learn that craft, you can you can insert that into your nonfiction stories that you're trying to tell. Right. That's right. And it makes it so much better as a documentary filmmaker. I'm sure that you have seen documentaries that were just came out Stat, flat. Yeah, stats <laughs> <laughs> like inf information heavy with no narrative yeah. to follow, no characters. That's and right. it's just talking heads that you can't identify with. Yeah. Right. So you were using narrative storytelling techniques to make your documentaries more enticing and obsession worthy. We can do the same thing as entrepreneurs. Um, so I've always done that. I've always weaved in um, what I, I call it the swirl, which is essentially like yeah. your professional skills, your passions and your guilty pleasures. And that's how you create a personal brand. Yeah. And so my swirl was always weaving like pop culture with my PR and marketing work. And um and it's really helped <laughs> as far as gaining an audience and enticing an audience. So anyone can do that. What, now, um, you know, it's funny. I had a similar story. I used to write these, like in first, second grade, these like horror stories. 
Yeah. And I, I drew the pictures and I still have them. My mom kept them in, in the scrapbook. And I swear, my mom and my second grade teacher, Miss Ann Jones, uh, had an intervention one day and was like, um, what's going on at home? Which there was some there was some stuff going on at home. But they were like, why don't you write a nice sweet story? And so then <laughs> then I wrote this story, the, the Boy Who Loves Snow. And it was the oh. worst story ever written, and I also didn't write again until I was in my 30s. See? It, it, it ruined it. <laughs> it ruined it. But I, I, I'm, I, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time, and I want to try to keep it streamlined because as I was, like, looking further into your story, I was like, oh, my God, like, the swirl thing. I've always suffered from, what do you call it, um, uh, t- too many passionitis or something? Yeah, multi-passionitis. multi-passionitis. <laughs> And it wasn't until recently where I learned how to fit, how to see the unique intersection of those things instead of feeling so compartmentalized with all these things I was chasing, right? But it took me a while to get back to the to the writing. So I, I want to know, like, what was it that what was it that finally made you say, you know what? I've always loved this, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to. Even when I'm doing my business, I'm inserting it in there. Like, what mm-hmm. made you take the leap? Okay, so. <laughs> So another interesting story. Let's go. So, so I was in a place in my business in my mid thirties where everything was going well, okay. like as far as profit, gotcha. and and you know, and I had great clients, etc. But I was feeling kind of creatively stifled. Mm. And so one way that I got around that is I started writing erotic fiction yes. <laughs> for for yes. fun, not to publish it. I had like right. no interest in publishing, yeah. but. Really, I would just I would like write these scenes essentially, and I would send them to my friends, and um and we would just everybody would read them, and it was very much like mimicking what I did when I was in fifth grade. Although yeah. like clearly the newer stories were a bit dirtier. So um <laughs> things that I know now I didn't know then, right? Right. So, <laughs> That's the normal trajectory, just, yeah. just to be clear. It's totally normal trajectory. Um, I would hope they were a little different than what I was right, writing right, in fifth grade. So, um, so then one day I was speaking at a marketing conference in Los Angeles. Okay. I did not live here at the time. Gotcha. I was just here for that reason. I stumbled into a bookstore and was meandering around and I found this book that was called The Coffee Break Screenwriter. And it told me on the cover that I could write a script in 10 minutes a day. So I remember mm-hmm. at the time, just like I had this story floating through my head that I was really writing as like erotica, but honestly could work in a different capacity if you sure. like about some of that and nowadays look everything on hbo is like that anyway True. right yes uh, so it doesn't really matter you don't have to water much down so i remember looking at it and thinking well yeah i can do that in 10 minutes a day and i did and i sat there with my book in my airbnb and i did a little more than 10 minutes a day but that's how i cranked out a first draft and it was purely a creative project that was done personally for me with no strings attached to like making this happen as a career. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once I was done the script, I contacted the author of the book and I just asked her if I could hire her to read it and just let me know what her thoughts were. It turns out that's a thing. There are script consultants. I didn't know that. Um, She's like, yeah, that's what I do. (laughs) And, um, So when she read it, the first thing she asked me was how long have you been a screenwriter? And I said, I'm not. This is the only thing I've ever written. And she said, okay, this is really strange because this is on par with my working clients who have been like in this industry for 20 years. So that gave me like a little nudge to say, well, maybe Mm -hmm. there's something here for me. It's like that little boost of confidence you need to 
go that extra mile. And that's how it started. When when uh when she said when she when she named it like that, how did that feel? But, it felt surprising. Right. Uh, because I didn't expect that. And you probably and, didn't consider yourself that. Absolutely so, not. You know what I mean? But when you hear it and you switch the identity there, it's a whole different ball game. Whole different ball game. And it just gave me a bit of confidence, I guess, to mm-hmm. say, you know, huh. <laughs> like right. maybe this is a possibility. And you know what? Why not? Because frankly, mm-hmm. the stakes were very low for me. Mm-hmm. This isn't, you know, it wasn't my career that I was trying to make money from. I already had a successful career. Um, it was just something like, hey, why don't I give it a shot? And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. If it does, it does. And it did, <laughs> it did pan out because here I am. So. Awesome. And so that, uh, was that the first piece that got produced? So that never went anywhere, okay. um, which is good <laughs> because it's, it's actually quite not, not that great. Um, it was a little crazy and very expensive to make. So yeah. that's something that like you have to be Shonda Rhimes for like 20 years and yeah, then yeah. suddenly like, I want you to make this script I wrote. Um, I'm actually turning it into a novel, in fact, now, and I'm going to self-publish it because I do like the story still, but it's just too expensive to make. Yeah. Um, the second script I wrote is the one that I actually sold. So not only did I sell it, but it got me other work as well. And at, at this time, you're still doing your marketing job. Yes. So I um, still have my business. I've restructured it a bit so that it's leaner and cleaner and I don't have to spend as much time there um, because time is limited for me now as a screenwriter. It's it's a little insane because you're either in development on something or you're in production. Right. So- and so you know, you have a lot of hours you have to devote to that. Of course. So the business that you have now, that's essentially what you were doing. It's the same business. Am I understanding? Same business. Okay. Yes. Um, did you rebrand at all? Nope. Didn't rebrand. Um, so my business has stayed the same Mm -hmm. and I'm still a publicity and marketing consultant, except now I teach entrepreneurs versus like doing the work for them. So I used to like actually, you know, be a done for you, I guess, mm-hmm. um, a service provider. And now I would, I don't have time for that anymore. So now I just do consulting and classes, uh, and it works out really well. And I really just have one signature program that I teach, which is all about creating obsession mm-hmm. in your business, which is just really fueling your business with marketing techniques that Hollywood would use for like blockbuster movies and to roll out binge worthy TV shows. And, um, so I'm swirling those concepts concepts together and teaching them because I have a unique point of view and angle um, and insight into that being that this is my work here. Yeah. Could you say a little bit more about that? Like what are some of the things that, well, first who, who are the, what's the type of client that you serve in mm-hmm. that, in that is? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, mainly serve entrepreneurs who are multi-passionate. So Mm -hmm. either they are existing multi-passionates or they are um, aspiring (laughs) multi-passionates, right? So they want to do something else. Um, They don't know how to swirl everything together. And most of my clients as well are people that I would say are in like, quote unquote, unsexy industries. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. not that I don't think they're sexy, but they don't think they're sexy. So maybe they're like financial services or they're a fair therapist or whatever it may right, be, they right. feel like they can't weave personality and story into their business. But they can. So that's a common denominator for all of my clients. Um, yeah. Or they don't feel quite comfortable doing that. They can't come mm. from a hardcore corporate background, yeah. right? And so now they're like, well, what if I'm not professional? So those are like the commonalities um, 
amongst my ideal clients. Um, and then where I step in is I'm giving them permission to be themselves, permission to fuel their business with their passions and what I call their guilty pleasures. Um, and also just allowing them to run their business from a place of pleasure versus mm. a place of of pain, right? And usually when you learn about marketing, it's all about pain. It's about like discovering client pain points <laughs> yeah, or it's yeah, about yeah. hustling. Grind, right, good right? Not, it's not coming from a place of let me do what feels good for me, right? Mm. Um, what do you love? What do you love? I even had an example today. A client of mine was like writing a newsletter for her community and she she almost scrapped it because she said when she wrote it, it felt so good for her that she thought that maybe it was too easy. Like she's like, I no. think this is no good. And I'm that, like, no, no, that's what you want to change. That's the point. That's, that's the point. <laughs> Some of the best pieces. So I started doing this column last year for local publication and uh, the first ones were taking me, and it's a short, a short column, but the first ones were taking me like a cu- couple of hours. And then it got to where I could turn out 30 minutes and, and turn my column in. And those were always the ones that resonated most with people. That's and, right. And I said the same thing. I was like, it's, you know, the ones that are easier resonate more. And that makes sense when you really dive in and look at why a little bit. Why? I'm speaking from the heart. I'm telling the truth. I'm talking about what I'm passionate about. It comes out easily if you allow it. But you're right. We we try to, you know, hold everything in, talk about pain points. I love that. I love that um, perspective of like how we kind of put this negative connotation on everything. Yes. Right? It's almost like a pessimistic point of view. And, right. and, and instead of just flipping the script, as, as I say, um, I see a lot of parallels. Most 80% of my clients are nonprofits and they mm-hmm. may not want to have many different passions, but they kind of have to because it's like one yeah. person marketing team. So, <laughs> yeah. Right. So they're super overwhelmed because now there's all these different tools and all this different content that they have to create and they're overwhelmed. And that's where I try to help them. And and I think the 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 tactics and the and the strategies that you use would would help them. So if I were to come to you and be like, I'm bugging out, I'm completely overwhelmed. I I'm I, they are they are all passionate about what they're doing. How do I how do I you know shape this passion and deliver it to people so that they can like understand it and hopefully support what we're trying to do? So. The first thing I run all of my clients through is, I mentioned earlier, through my swirl exercise, Mm -hmm. which is essentially figuring out what I call like your lead swirl is. Mm. So, so we often have lots of professional skills, lots of passions and lots of guilty pleasures, right? Like if I asked you that right now, you'd probably have a huge laundry list, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that all of those are so prevalent in your everyday life, right? So, so essentially part of it is sort of doing a brain dump of all of those things and then coming to a place where you say, okay, here's like my main professional skill, one or two things that mm-hmm. you're absolutely excellent, like your, your true area of excellence, your main passion, which is not something that's like 
you like today, but a month from now, you're not going to like anymore. It's, it's something that you're like, is just so deep in your bones. Right. And your guilty pleasure. So like for me, it's a mixture of, uh, my professional skill is publicity or storytelling. Mm -hmm. My, um, passion is pop culture. So movies, TV, and my guilty pleasure is coffee. (laughs) So those are things that no matter what are just baked into my body and are never going to go away. Okay. So now that I have that, this is my swirl. This is what I know. I can infuse that absolutely everywhere. So I'll Mm. give you a couple of examples so your listeners will understand. So the first thing you want to do is you want to look at like your copy, your messaging. This can be anything from what's going on your website to what's going on your social media profiles. Your swirl should be all over that, Mm. right? I want to know this about you. And it will also make you stand out because no one has that unique combination. Like how many people do you know that are storytellers plus pop culture enthusiasts plus coffee addicts, right? Right? Not that many people. So that's going to help you to stand out. And whatever your you know, unique swirl is, is going to be way different than mine, even if we do a similar thing. It'll mm-hmm. make us stand out 100%. from one another. Um, then you want to look at what I call creating sexy space and time to breathe in your business. So we often, especially for like nonprofits, like you said, we often load up with too many things. It's like, now I want to launch this or do this or do that. And with nonprofits, they're always looking for ways that they can raise money, right? And so that means that oftentimes they'll be like doing a million different events or a million yeah. different crowdfunding campaigns or whatever it is. And it's just like loading upon loading upon and loading. spinning in circles. <laughs> Spinning, 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 and never giving enough time, energy, and effort to one particular thing, right? Mm. So so I always have my clients go through, like, literally do a brain dump of everything that they have existing in their business or mm. nonprofit, in your case, um, and then a brain dump of everything that they think in their brain is a good idea <laughs> they want to do, right? <laughs> because Lovely. Because ideas are real great in your head, but yeah, when they come right, out to the right, world, they're not right. so great. So, so I have them do that. And then I have them go through it, comb through everything with the lens of their swirl, right? So what happens then is they start to realize, well, okay, I'm only doing this because I think it's an easy way to make money. Mm-hmm. Or I'm only doing this because I think it's in, because so-and-so did it with their nonprofit <laughs> and it so maybe I should do it, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it's like taking a good, hard, honest look at why you have what you have there and stripping that away, like ruthlessly crossing stuff off and just like getting rid of it. Because if it doesn't fit your swirl, if it doesn't fit like your brand, then get rid of it. It doesn't It doesn't matter. Don't You don't need right. it in your business. And then it's about the things that do remain looking at that through a new lens of how can you make this more pleasurable for both you and for your audience. Mm -hmm. So an example would be like, if you tell me I have to do a webinar, I will shut down. I hate webinars. I don't like watching them. I don't like doing them. I love teaching, but like the whole notion of a webinar just makes me want to like stick a pen in my eye. It's terrible. But if you tell me that we're going to do a coffee break, right? Where for a half an hour we drink coffee together and I'm just going to chat with you just like I would sit with you in person and have a latte at Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk all things storytelling and then we're going to release that video or people will watch that video live. I'm in. I'm a hundred percent yes, right? So it's more about doing that. You can still use the construct of marketing strategies and techniques that work, but you have to swirl it and make it interesting for 
you, right? So that's all it is. It's same thing with my teaching, like my entire online course. I demonstrate every marketing and publicity concept using a pop culture tie-in because that's fun for me. It makes it easier for me to do that. And it also makes it easier for other people to digest whether they're pop culture fans or not, right? They're going to understand a concept much easier if I'm using Game of Thrones to describe it versus, you know, versus just telling you in my jargon, (laughs) professional jargon, Mm -hmm. how to do it. So that's my long-winded answer to your no, that's I mean, that was awesome. And, and, but that, that last bit, it also reinforces your brand, right? Now that you, you keep making the pop, that's that's what you do. That's the, right. the narrative, the story that you're telling other people. And what one, one, thing, one thing that you said makes me think of storytelling, or, and you'll know this from screenwriting. I have, to, I have to tell people this all the time when you were talking about if it doesn't fit your swirl, your brand, ruthlessly cut it out. That just reminds me of like, cutting a film you know all these scenes that we (laughs) fall in love with that we wrote oh it's so great and you have to be ruthless and if you don't what i tell people all the time is if you cut it out and you don't miss it you don't need it you got to be ruthless and so that i'd like to transition a little bit because i invited you to talk because we're both kind of in the storytelling space and that's what i how i try to you know the vehicle i use to try to help people so what makes a good story Mm. (laughs) to me and and look I think this is different for everybody but I think that you can't have a good story without good characters like really (laughs) like really deep rich characters and I didn't say likable characters yes (laughs) come on with it I love it let's go yeah so so that's important all I write is really complex like messed up women (laughs) characters pretty much that's like my that's what I'm known for here in town um and what I get hired for but it has to be a character that you're excited to go on a journey with, right? Mm. Whether whether you for whatever reason, for whatever reason, yeah, I love that. Um, if you don't have that piece, your story falls flat. I do not care, right? If it's plot heavy or if it's just like exploring a world, then that just becomes so boring and there's nothing to actually invest in, right? Yeah. We need like a human being mm-hmm. that we can invest in. And even if they're an unlikable human being, right? I'm put, put unlikable in quotes, like a Tony Soprano character, right? right? You're still going to have something that you can relate to with him. Like he's this, he was this ruthless mobster, but yet you relate to him because he's like in the pool. Remember when the little ducks? Yeah, yeah. And he's a dad. I mean, he's dad. And you see, and you also see like his mom and how he was raised, and you can relate to that, right? You can relate to like, um, just like the pressures you might feel to keep up with what was expected of you and to get sucked into a family business, regardless if you're a mobster or not. (laughs) Right. So there's all of these, like all of these elements that come about with a character like that, that we can connect to and we can see ourselves in and we want to go on that journey with them. So I think that's the most important part of a story. And when I write my scripts, that is all I focus on is mm-hmm. character. Like I, all of my time is focused on that. You can pour plot into late, like plot is easy to right. put that, but, right. but it's the characters that are tough. That's the part that takes a while. And so how would in, in, in a marketing capacity, how would, if someone was struggling to find good stories at their disposal, like in their organization, in their brand, how do you start them on that process when they're like, this sounds great, but like, 
I don't, I don't know, how, like, where to find these stories, these characters. Well, I think you have to understand, first of all, who the characters are when you're in a business. So, mm -hmm. like, you're a character, and mm -hmm. you have to start thinking of yourself that way. Um, I think that's weird for business owners at first, totally, right? Yeah. Because they're like, I'm a human. <laughs> I'm not, right. I'm not yeah. a fictional character. Um, so it is a bit, and sometimes this does help for folks that are not used to storytelling, is to actually think of yourself as an external character and mm -hmm. paint yourself that way, right? Um, even if you're working for a larger organization, there has to be someone in that organization that's telling the stories, yeah. right? There has to be someone in there. There can sometimes be multiple spokespeople, but essentially it's better when it's one person because it's easier to glom on to that. And whatever stories they're telling should be personal in some way. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean it has to be some deep, dark, like this is the traumatic thing that happened <laughs> in my childhood. Right. It could literally be a story about how you went to Starbucks that morning and the person in front of you forgot their wallet and you went ahead and paid for their coffee and then like how their reaction was to that and how it made you think of how many times you're checked out and not paying attention to what's going on around you. But the one time that you were checked in, like, look, you were able to like make someone's day brighter. Yeah. So you want to think about those. I, I like to think of them as small moments. Like what are small moments in your day or small moments in your life that have happened that can help you to demonstrate a story, right? Or demonstrate a point that can provide value to your audience. And then the secondary, or I guess not even secondary, but the other lead character would be your client, right? And that's the great thing is that you can use and weave client stories to create excellent content in your business, mm. right? It, it's, it is ripe for that, particularly in the nonprofit world. I mean, geez, totally. all of it is like- Who have you impacted? Yeah, who have you impacted? There are so many wonderful people. So there's so many wonderful ways to tell stories from your clients from- you know, doing kind of rather than like testimonials or case studies, like making them like mini documentaries of sorts or, or even like magazine article style, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're like yeah. interviewing the people that you've impacted and then weaving a story around that versus like, give me a couple lines of a testimonial. That's terrible. <laughs> Instead, like take your time to, you know, actually write a story and like honor this person and their experience. And then also just conversations, like the best thing you can do in business is have conversations conversations regularly with your ideal clients, right? Like get on the phone with people, have coffee dates, like talk to people and that will spurn the best stories because everyone's going to tell you a story. And the more that you, you just shut your own mouth and listen, right. And just like, don't make it about you. Life advice. <laughs> right. And listen. And I mean, that's, that's really all clients want is to be heard right at tell the end it. of the day. It's so hard to have an opportunity to be heard anymore, right? Everyone's talking at each other. So if you can just be quiet and listen, then you will have like a plethora of stories at your disposal that you can tell. And that's what's so great. So it's about realizing that you are a character in that story and your mm. client's a character and you're both playing leads if you want to think of it like a romantic Sh comedy. Sure, right? sure. <laughs> yeah, playing. hey, that's actually, yeah, I love that. Um, uh, several questions come out of that. First, I love... <laughs> I love that you kind of bashed testimonials. Can you elaborate on why, on why that's, you know, bash is a strong word. Um, why people, people love that idea. We want to get some testimonials. Like I do video for, for a lot of people. We just want to get some testimonials of people. 
Why is that not as effective as it might have once been? Yes. Okay. I mean, I am of the belief that it was like never effective. (laughs) (laughs) So I will bash testimonials. Yes, let's go. Um, I'm okay with that. I have strong opinions. Let's go. The reason is because you're putting all of the onus on your client Mm. or the person that you've helped, right? Who is not a storyteller. Mm. I mean, I mean, maybe, I guess maybe the only time this would work is if all of your clients are storytellers in some cases, (laughs) then maybe they know how to craft something. But even then, when people ask me for for a testimonial and I am a writer, I struggle. I struggle to put that together because it's like you're putting all of the weight and the pressure on that person to to twirl together something for you. And it doesn't mean that they didn't have a great experience with you. It's just that that's a lot of pressure to give someone this job to say, like, write about me, write about how amazing I am. Right. Right. About how much I impacted you. What? Like it just that feels like it feels like you're giving me this awful like essay assignment that I would have gotten when I was. And I think everyone feels that way. It's like when you get that testimonial request, you're I just got one today. In fact, I was like, (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, why? And I had a wonderful experience with this person. But it's like it still will give you that little punch in the gut feeling. Yeah. best thing to do is like make it easier for that person mm, and it. take the responsibility on yourself to tell a great story and get their permission of course before yes, you share of course. it but like it makes it so much easier for them so and it's so much easier for you even because then you're not waiting around for them to get you something that honestly is going to oh be my really- gosh because I'll tell you what everyone does when they when they write you a testimonial. They're going to go research and look at what other people wrote as testimonials and just steal the language and rewrite it. So then if you notice, most testimonials sound exactly the same or like most things that are written on book jackets will yeah. sound all the same. That is why. It's all like boilerplate language mm-hmm. versus something that's actually coming from the heart. Yeah. So that's number one is like is that you want to be the one to interview them and extract the good information and weave it as a story. But another piece of this, too, um, that I think people miss with like, quote unquote, testimonials is that testimonials should be used to talk people off the ledge who have objections to working with you. Mm. Right. Or donating to you. Mm -hmm. So like. When someone is checking out your nonprofit, let's say, right, there's always something in the back of their mind, whether it's like, is this really real? Right, right. Is this like, well, but what about the 27 other nonprofits yeah. I could see to? Where's the money? Where's the money going? When you have a testimonial, right, that like you've worked with an, an excellent client to put together and that testimonial starts out and says, you know what, when I came to Rain's organization, right? Like Kids for Us. <laughs> we'll just make something up, right? When I came to Kids for Us, the first thing I thought was, where are they going to put that money? Mm-hmm. Because I wanted my money to actually go to, you know, getting kids pencils and school books for their, you know, for their work versus like just end up in the pockets of the people running the organization. Right. Yeah. And quickly I learned through the organization's way of keeping you updated and sending you pictures of the child and them using the pencils and notebooks and the textbooks, I knew I had visual proof that this is 
my money was going. Okay. So I'm using that as an example because that is how you use testimonials is like, you're just reflecting back people's objections to working with you, donating with you, buying from you. And it's right there in someone else's words that are not your own. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really powerful. So that's the best way to use testimonials, not to have something that just says your organization is so magical. I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. There, I, right? I, no, I, I think that it goes back to the point you said about listening. Listen to people because those testimonials are out there. I definitely get permission from the people. But what I've been doing uh, lately, I, I, this year, last year, we had a um, we did a twelve part series for a rare cancer foundation, telling these like strong stories about people how they emotionally navigate a rare cancer diagnosis. And each of they were, I'm very, I'm proud of all all of them, and inevitably I'd get an email or a message or people would comment on the face on the Facebook post of the videos, like how touching it was, but especially from the people in the film about how great uh, they felt about how I told their story and how great I was to work with. Like they emailed me these things. I mean, this is their honest heartfelt response. There, There was no better testimonial to put out to the public to show like the kind of work that I do than that. And yes, like you said, get their permission. But, you know, it took me a while to realize that like, if I just look at when these videos are put uh, by the, by the foundation on, uh, on Facebook, there's a ton of testimonials just right there. When people say, Oh my God, I've been crying watching this. Yes. You know I mean? That's going to resonate with people. Yes, absolutely. Why, why are, I mean, I know that stories are effective for communicating, for getting stuff across to people. But 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 why? Like why do people respond so well? This is what you do. You you work with people on storytelling to reach the people they're trying to impact. Why does it work? Yeah. Um, well, there's there's a couple reasons that stories work so well for marketing. So the first one is like as human beings, we are just psychologically wired to enjoy good stories, right? Um, it helps us understand things better mm. when it's framed as a story, right? So like we were talking about characters just a few moments ago, like if you can show how a character, AKA a customer (laughs) goes through a journey with your nonprofit, with your product, with your service, with reading your book, whatever it is, right? They're going to be able to understand that better. It's going to sink in and soak in rather than, like you just having a nonprofit website that lists out a bunch of stats about how you help people. That's never going to sink in, no. right? There's nothing to grasp onto. But if it's like Mary who went through her, you know, cancer journey and your foundation was instrumental in helping her do X, Y, Z, everyone's going to remember Mary, yeah. right? They're going to be like, oh, Mary. <laughs> and that's what they're going to glom onto is Mary. Yeah. And then, and therefore be able to soak in all the wonderful work that your organization did. Because it's a human. <laughs> they're connected to that human. Yes. Um, also, you know, it storytelling just like enables us to create a deeper connection with people, mm. um, which then leads to more donations, more sales. This is like particularly relevant when it comes to social media, which this is another hot button issue for me, like testimonials, <laughs> is that 
so many folks do social media wrong. Like social media, it's in the name. It's social. (laughs) We should be, we should be social. We shouldn't be talking at people. Mm. We shouldn't be interrupting people. We should be building connections and relationships through story. Right? So this goes for all of your business, but particularly when using social media, which most of us are using today to get the out about our foundations and our businesses, et cetera. Um, we can use it to create connection. So rather than like talking at people with our stats and talking at people with like, this is what our organization does and it's so great, <laughs> right? Which look, we see that a lot, right? Totally. That's really prevalent. Instead, wouldn't it be great to have all these beautiful photos of Mary and all the other Marys that you've helped and yeah. their story, right? That's obviously going to connect and help people on a different way. And then I'd say the last point about storytelling and why it's so important is that it makes you memorable and it's just always easier to recite a great story rather than reciting stats or some kind of features of a product or a service. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, I use this example of like going to dinner, right? So you go out to dinner at a great restaurant and then you're going to tell your friend like that they should check out this great restaurant. When you tell your friend, I guarantee you're not going to say to them, I went to this restaurant that was located on this street and I they had 27 different dishes on the menu. Three of them were vegan dishes, right? You're not going featuring right. different regional cuisines. Like you're not <laughs> going to say these features of the restaurant, like the location no. and what was on the menu. Instead, you're going to tell some story about your experience at that restaurant. You'll say, oh my God, I just ate at this amazing Italian restaurant. The waitress came over. She was so amazing. Like she recommended this awesome dish and I never would have ordered it before, but because (laughs) she recommended it, I did. And it was the best thing I've ever eaten. So now that was top of mind for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because the waitress who's the main character in that, like helped me to order something amazing. And then the way that I told that story was not about like the restaurant itself. It wasn't about all the dishes on the menu. It was about this little mini story of this waitress who was like my guiding light and me order something I never would have ordered. And I did. And it was phenomenal. And then my friend's going to remember that too. Will she'll go visit the establishment, but she's also going to remember the story to tell other people. So it's just about making it memorable. It's easier to cite. Yeah, you. I mean, you you described your experience. Mm-hmm. It, was an, it was emotional. Like it wasn't a. Well, it, it was it Maya Angelou that said people remember don't remember what you say or what you do, but how you make them feel. I know I'm butchering it, but something like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, has there been anything since you started screenwriting that has changed the way you approach clients in your in your business? Since you've been doing more screenwriting, I mean, you've always been a storyteller and marketer, but any or, you know, any screenwriting rules? Yeah, well, for sure. (laughs) So, so now that I'm understanding, obviously, narrative storytelling more and more, Mm -hmm. um, and even now I'm still learning, I think it's like constantly a journey. I definitely am applying more of the techniques that I learn on that end to my to my business and to my content. So I'll give you an example of maybe one way that I do that is that um, 
we're seeing a big shift in how people are consuming and consuming entertainment. And you'll notice this with like the Netflix model, right? right? So people are binging. That's mm. very different. It didn't used to be like that, right? Yeah. It used to be that like we have an episode of something and we wait a whole week, yep. right? For the next one. And it's set up that way. But now Netflix and other streaming services have really brought the binge <laughs> to totally. our to our psyche. And now we are almost like becoming wired to want that. And what's interesting is I actually, the way that I used to teach was more of the episodic TV model where it was like, I would teach a lesson and then you'd have to wait a week to get the next lesson. Right. So it was very much like, here's your episode, Mm -hmm. AKA lesson. Then I give you the little cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Then I give you the preview and then you're going to get the next one next week. That worked really well early on in my business because people are used to consuming things in an episodic model, right? Right. Like a law and order type of model, right? Now that we, our habits have shifted, I found that my audience was, was just craving like instant gratification. I want to binge. And so I tested it with like releasing this kind of mini class around writing newsletters. And I released it in that form where it's like, here's 20 lessons you can binge right away. Um, And I used that in my language. I I very much equated it to like how you would binge a hot Netflix drama. And lo and behold, that is how people consume this class. They, many people buy it weirdly at night and Mm. they watch, they stay up all night and watch it with their favorite snack. And it's really interesting interesting because I'm like, this is what I, I wanted to curate this whole time, right? right? Like I, I want to be a binge for people. That's yeah. what I want to curate. And, um, and so that's been a big shift in how I've done business for sure. Um, the other way that I think I use this a lot is by, um, doing things in series versus like Versus mm-hmm. releasing things in clo- like closed loops. Yeah. So an example would be like a feature film is a closed loop, right? It's like one story told over that and then it ends unless yep. like it's a Marvel movie and there's going to be sequels. <laughs> right, but right, right, right. for the most part, they're like standalone it, p- pictures. But for television, you have to have an, a running engine, right? That's going to keep that story going because mm-hmm. if that engine runs out, then you're not making any more money. So if somebody's going to buy a series from you, they're going to need to know this engine can keep going for like at least six seasons because that's where big money is. So business is that way. Business is not a feature film. It's not a closed loop unless you want to sell it off after a year, Mm -hmm. which most people don't. Business is an ongoing engine, just like a TV series. So I like to think about my business in that way. Like, where you're kind of plotting out like how can I tell stories or how can I put content out or even services or products out, right? That kind of go along with this. Are there, are there ways I can infuse how episodic TV, um, would roll things out, like leaving things with cliffhangers, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Doing things series. So an example is I, I got a lot of requests to tell my story, my trajectory of how I like went from nothing to where I am today. That's a big story. I could have told it in a book. I could have told it on like a podcast episode like this. Um, But I chose to do like a six part series. So it was like a mini series, like true detective. And 
what I did was I dripped that out over time. And at the end, I, fe- I put like little cliffhangers for people to mm-hmm. come back to so that I was getting more mileage out of that content versus like just this one and done piece yeah. that I think wouldn't have resonated on its own. It was that people had to follow me on a journey. I'm using kind of the TV series model in order to do that. So again, those are two really specific examples. Yeah, no, those um, are great. But that's that's what I do is I just look at what I'm using on the screenwriting end and think about, like, is there some way that I can use this to better my own content in my business? Was that uh, series just to your email list or did you like have it uh, sell it or? No, it's I mean, I definitely sent it to my email list, but it's public on my blog as well. So like anyone can check it out. Yeah. So. Do you. How long? I mean, it's got to be hard to be juggling a life and career as a screenwriter and still mm-hmm. conducting your business. Do you see it coming to a head at, at any point? Are you leaning more towards one or the other? I mean, I know you're following your passion with the. I mean, you're passionate about both of them. Yes, you have multi passionitis. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, okay, so well, there's some things that I put in place to really make this whole engine work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't see getting rid of one or the other. I do think they'll always both be a part of my world, just mm-hmm. maybe in different ways. Who knows, yeah. right? Like things may shift and, and change. Um, but for right now, the way that I do it is um, I keep things, for me this works, to keep things like physically separate, meaning that I rent an office space that I only use for my writing. So mm. I don't do my other work in this space. Yeah. So that helps me. It's almost like flipping a switch in my mind yeah. that when I'm in my office, I am just writing. Like that's all I'm doing here yeah. and that's it. Well, and if you had two jobs in, you know, in real life, I was yes. about to say like this isn't real life, but yeah, you would go to, you know, the pizzeria and to the bank or whatever. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So exactly. It's just that concept of yeah. like physically removing yourself <laughs> and putting yourself in a new it's space. A great tip, yeah. And it, and it really, really works. Um, the other piece is kind of keeping things, and I mentioned this a bit earlier, like pretty slender on the business end. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I've been running my business for almost like 15 years now, so it's been a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what works and what doesn't, right? right? And, um, and so it's, it's just being very mindful that I don't get swept up in like shiny object syndrome. Mm. And, Say you that. know, there's lots of ways I can make money, right? There's lots of things I can do. That doesn't mean that it's the right thing for me. And so I have to consistently remind myself that, that like, yes, I could do this course. Yes, I could do this workshop. Yes, I can do this and that. But like, is that really going to move me towards where I want to be? No, right? right? So I have to be really clear in that, you know, what I really want to do is help people tell better stories in their business um, to increase their visibility and have more fun. And I want to produce my own work um, on the screenwriting end. I'm not close to that yet. That takes a lot of money. And so, so I'm working towards those goals, mm-hmm. right? Because 
that's what that's what I want to do. So when I have things that arise, opportunities that arise, which can be anything from someone asking me to come speak at a conference to, you know, whatever, there's lots of things that arise in your business. Sure. I have to be very ruthless, right? Is that is me speaking at that conference going to help me get closer to these goals that I have? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have to weigh that out and, sure. and make sure that I make a conscious decision about that. So that's how I'm able to keep the engine running right now and just kind of moving myself, like I said, into a way or a space that I could do those things and, you know, impact more people or yeah. get closer to producing, et cetera, um, in a way that obviously feels pleasurable for me. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I appreciate so much you making the time for me to talk about this. I, that last question was a selfish question because I go off and I make my feature documentaries yeah. that sometimes take years of my life and then I yeah. have my business. And so this is something I'm, I'm currently struggling with. So, uh, I think that, the stuff that we talked about was super, super helpful for my people. That one was for me, but I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time and look, I just want to say that like, I'm proud of you, like for taking the leap because so many people don't do that. And even though you had, like you said, you weren't destitute, you had a successful business, but you weren't like, we have one life, right? And you weren't fulfilled and you went after it and you did it and you're doing it. So I just want to say it's inspiring to me and to hopefully to the people that are listening. And uh, honestly, sincerely, thank you for taking the time keep killing thank you (laughs) thank you so much it was so much fun all right have a great night thank you too Bye bye